0: Lovely, nice Perfect.
1: dab. That was a dab Alrighty. just for you and me. <laughs> exactly, because um, dabs are supposed to be shared with friends and friends only. All right, uh, I can do the intro. Yeah, do it. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Fo It's not. Wow. Wow. I know, that, was, that was bad. That was that's bad. a different podcast. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. a, That's the All wrong right.
0: podcast it's the wrong podcast that's the wrong podcast try again
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cast Without Trace, a podcast without a trace. I'm Dunk, I use they, them pronouns, and as always, I am joined by... Uh, I'm Jason, I use he, him pronouns. And I'm very excited to be talking to you today,
0: because it's been a while, we haven't talked since our interview with Dr. Bellamy. Um, So I'm I'm excited to get back into some one-on-one D&D discussions.
1: Yes, and we've got some really exciting stuff to talk about uh, this week, because or rather this month. I mean, we're kind yeah. of more of a monthly, monthly uh, episode. time thing. space, but, who knows yeah. how long it will be since our last episode and until our next one. It's it's all
0: kind of a weird soup, isn't
1: it? I mean, really, who knows when we're recording versus when we publish, right? That's true. No one will like, it, know.
0: Honestly, like, I, we could have recorded this three years ago and no one would know.
1: Yeah. Except for we're talking um, about material although, that's
0: come out this year. <laughs> yeah. So it would be
1: really impressive. We have if, the gift of pressure. <laughs> I feel like Paul um, is right. up in this bitch. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about the monsters of the multiverse. Um, these are mostly going to be predictions because um there is only one way currently to get the monsters of the multiverse. Yeah. So do you want to actually discuss what
0: what this is that we're talking about? Um, because I feel like, to be honest with you, I feel like it's kind of flown under the radar outside of like the real like inside circle um of D D, where people who like maybe casually play or don't know much about it like don't, aren't even aware this was coming out or will be coming out soon. Um, so if just yeah, I feel yeah, I mean, of exactly what this is.
1: Hundred um, percent. Yeah, I mean, I've been hearing about it for quite a bit um purely because of. Uh, the d TikTok community uh, being very partisan on the topic of uh, race essentialism. Yeah. Um, so that's been uh, an ongoing topic, and this has kind of been something that uh, has sparked that fire a little bit more. Um, so the Monsters of the Multiverse is a uh, reprinting collection anthology of uh, previously published uh, monsters and playable races. So what they are doing is they have uh, revised and uh, reprinted a bunch of different monsters and a bunch of different playable races to bring them more along into, uh, you know, kind of the guiding lines of Atasha's uh, Cauldron of Everything and uh, some of the most recent Unearthed Arcana. Although we can talk about it a bit later, um, there are some things that have been released in relatively recent Unearthed Arcana that uh, have not appeared in this book. True. and that's interesting as well very true um yeah so this uh this this book has uh 33 playable races that have been reprinted and over yep. 250 monster stat blocks which has not been seen in a 5e book since like the original monster manual yeah a like, lot Volo's Guide to monsters
0: a lot has changed since 2014, so I think this is this is Wizards of the Coast attempt to bring um, a lot of things from a lot of different source books and both compile them into one place and then also to bring them up to speed with their new design philosophy in terms of the game. Um, one thing to keep in mind is that this book, at the moment, um, as we're recording, uh, it came out in January of this year. Uh, so, like, actually just a couple weeks ago. Um, but at the moment, it's only available in the Rules expansion set, which includes this book, and then uh, it also includes Tasha's Cauldron of Everything and Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Um, so right now, it's only available in a bundle of three books for 170 US dollars. So that's a shame, because people who already own those two other books, it's, it's a huge waste of resources for them in terms of money. And also, even if you wanted to spend the money, good luck getting one, because... Printing issues and supply chain issues have, have caused this book to be uh, very very rare right now. So hopefully we can resolve that soon. Um, they're planning on releasing a standalone Monsters of the Multiverse release in May, which is far further off than I would want it to be. But I mean, definitely,
1: it kind of sucks that we're not getting it, a standalone. So that you know, it feels whatever. it it really just feels unfortunate that it's such a long ways away purely because you can buy it now but it seems like the target for that expanded book set are people that probably would not be the first people to buy the book because they would not have Xanathar's or Tasha's it's going to be it's going to be people Um, who
0: don't already have the other source books so it's people that aren't already like crazy invested into the game
1: yeah uh for reference like I was considering possibly getting it um for the podcast uh and then also just being able to be like to my sister hey uh you know here are the other two expanded uh rule set books you know because she doesn't have them uh but uh you know it's i i've called up uh local uh game shops and bookstores and they simply just haven't received anything um you know my favorite uh here in toronto i'm gonna shout them out harry tarantula that's where i get all of my books in toronto they quite simply just don't have it uh, the only place I've been able to find it in any sort of Canadian shipping capacity has been Amazon.ca for 150 yeah. bucks. And yeah. that's just no thanks.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's just hard to get our hands on. So at the moment, um, you're going to have to take everything that we say with a grain of salt because we don't actually have the physical book in front of us. Um, so all the sources for information that we have, I mean, there's a chance that they got things wrong. Uh, we can't confirm um, everything that we're about to say so again take everything that we say with a grain of salt there's a chance that it could be inaccurate and misleading or whatever but um i'm pretty pretty certain that uh, if not everything that almost everything we say is going to end up being the case of the printed book when we actually have our hands on it Um, Mm
1: -hmm. luckily enough there are some people who do have copies of the books and have posted some information there's been some reviews from like verified uh you know journalism websites mm-hmm. and such uh especially polygon which i'll probably link some some articles uh in the description for the episode yeah. uh but maybe i can just quickly list off the uh the n- playable races that have been reprinted does that sound sure. good to you yeah why not all right so we it's have era long asked, yeah all right, so we have Arakokra, Asmar, Bugbear, Centaur, Changeling, Deep Gnome, Draugr, Eladrin, Fairy, Furbulg, Erganasi, Earth Ganassi, Fire Ganassi, Water Gnassi, Gizurai, Goblin, Goliath, Herringent, Cobgoblin, Kenku, Kobold, Lizardfolk, Mentor, Orc, Satyr, Sea Elf, Shatterkai, Shifter, Tabaxi, Tortle, Triton, Yonti. Okay, and now we're gonna list all 250 monsters that have been reprinted. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. Yeah, um, that's not, a long this list. Is not the optimized um, Pokemon rap. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Noticeably, uh, they are not reprinting the human race. Um, so they, I guess, they nope. feel like that's in a good spot. But um, these are 33 monsters, or sorry, 33 races from all over D and D, from like the very beginning Player's Handbook to like an adventure that was printed like two months ago. So there's a lot going on here um there are very general mechanics changes to how races function as a whole and then uh almost all the races that were printed had some kind of mechanical change some of them are small and some of them completely change how the race works um so we're going to discuss kind of how we feel about those changes and some of the especially the more dramatic ones um but in terms of what you need to know for like all races um the idea of a sub race no longer exists um, in this book anyway so for example like a deep gnome is no longer considered just a sub race of a gnome it's its own separate race um, which doesn't necessarily change that much because of the way that they phrase certain things in the book but it is interesting to keep in mind um, the other way they've done it is they've taken sub races and then uh, create made it one race that has a choice at a certain level that emulates a subrace. So Asimar is the best example of that in the book that we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, They've also made it so that ability score increases work the same way that they've been working um, since their UA started doing it uh, last year, which is that instead of getting a set plus two plus one or a set plus one plus one plus one, you can choose where you want to put those increases, which is a good change because it's how I've been running D&D since like last year, maybe last year and a
1: half. So I don't mind that change at all. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, since there was the rumor of that happening in Tasha's um, and, you know, the, the dialogue and discourse of that, I think for the past two years, I've been running without race essentialism. Um, but this has been a, a big movement towards solidifying this decision from uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Wizards of the Coast. Um, they have decided that this is the way that the the game is going to be played from here on out. Um, yeah. I did not think that was necessarily up for debate. However, it seems as though uh, there are a decent amount of people within the community who uh, may not agree with it, but did not think that this was going to be continuing in this way. They didn't think it was going to be solidified in this way. Yeah. So it is it is an there, interesting there were, choice I, to I, be made.
0: I've seen, I've seen some people on the internet complain that it's no longer an optional rule because it was presented that way in Tasha's, um, but... Like, who cares, right? If if you really want to keep using orcs that have, you know, or, or half orcs that have plus two strength, plus one constitution, just keep doing that. No one, you know, Precisely. you're not forced to put them in different places if you don't want to, because like, you can choose, right? Um, the other thing that I think is a really good change that we were talking about in some of the UA that we were talking about uh, for the Explorers of the Multiverse, whatever that was called, is that um, innate spellcasting is no longer, like, tied to a specific... Uh, stat, and you can only do it once a day. Um, you can use your innate spellcasting with spell slots that you might have from your uh, class, and then you can also choose the ability score that you want to use it for, so Intelligence, Wisdom, or Charisma, which is, again, a fantastic change. It just opens up a lot of options for for characters that have innate spellcasting as part of their race.
1: Yeah, um, and I think what might be interesting as well is it is stated now that known um, languages for player... Uh, races are also not determined by racial traits as well. Um, yeah. You basically can learn two languages of your choice, um, although the way that it's written in the book, I believe, is that you have uh, you can read, write, and understand common, and, then, um, an and uh, then you can choose another one that should be determined by uh, you and your DM together for your character. That yeah, is how so it's
0: sort of listed there. For example, like an elf, like a high elf, no longer necessarily speaks Elvish, which is fine. Um, not every elven character would have been raised in a situation where they would have learned Elvish. Uh, I think this especially makes sense for racists like Tiefling, where they necessarily got Infernal, uh, which always kind of, like, I always had a hard time reconciling that, where it's like, is this a language that you inherently understand from birth? Or was it, like, did, has ev- did every Tiefling get taught infertile at some point um so it's just a good change it makes it so you have a little bit more freedom with uh with your choices and then on top of that again like you can just pick the thing that was already in the book the only problem i have with it is that um uh from from what i can see um Some races that had additional languages no longer get those additional languages. So instead, like I think a high elf usually got three and now they're like the way that it's written, they're only getting two. Um, It shouldn't make that big of a difference. And to be honest with you, um, in a lot of my games, if a player wants an additional language out of character creation, I usually just give it to them because having one additional language the amount that it breaks the game is entirely up to the DM and how they want to be running their game and how they want to include languages as a system. So I don't know, it depends on how you're running your game, but I don't think
1: it's a big deal. 100%. And I think allowing characters to be able to, especially studious char- characters, um, like you know people who would choose like the bard or the, uh, the wizard, right? Um, those who have had some sort of formal training. Having increased languages, I think it really does open up your world in, in certain ways. And it, it does create like nuance for your character. Um, so yeah, it, it's not a game breaking thing. I would argue. I I, I think av- having extra languages is honestly just a, a, a fun way to expand your world uh, through your character's eyes. But um, Fae Ancestry has had a couple of changes as well. Would you like to talk about that?
0: Sure. Um so the fey ancestry trait has changed a little bit. Um it's it's they've grabbed what used to be part of the trans uh trait ability from elves. Um and they've moved it into the fey ancestry ability. So instead of trans allowing you to have uh, immunity from magical sleep, now fey ancestry does that, which you think wouldn't change much because pretty much everything that gets fey ancestry gets trans except for half elves, except for in this book they've also given goblinoid races so um goblins hobgoblins and bugbears they now have fey ancestry uh, which ties into a lore change they've done in this book that intrinsically ties goblinoids to the Feywild, wild which i think is a really 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 interesting change uh, both lore wise and mechanics wise it gives a huge buff 100%. to all these goblinoid races um and I think as a, as a lore thing, they were hinting at it a little bit with a UA that came out a while ago where there was like a fey-infused Hobgoblin, and now they've kind of brought to, brought that to the forefront for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's an and, interesting change, and uh, I'll we'll probably yeah. be using that lore change in my own homebrew stuff, because I just think it makes it makes goblins a little bit more interesting.
1: Definitely. Um, I think what's interesting is uh, you know we can run through the specific changes as well uh, because yeah. some of these uh, new playable race reprints have some really interesting mechanical changes and some of them have very little. <laughs> uh, yeah. Firstly, I mean like as, as mentioned before, there is uh, the fairy which has no changes whatsoever because Zero. it is a yeah. very recent uh, playable race reprint. Um, but then you also have like the Asimar which no longer has sub races as you mentioned um you know you get to choose your transformation at i think third level um yeah. so
0: instead of there being like a scourge asimar a protector asimar and a fallen asimar now there's just the one and it's a it's a cho- it's a choice you make it third as to what ability you want to take rather than the sub race so I, it just it streamlines things i think i think it makes it less complicated mm-hmm. for new players i think it doesn't really change much for people who know what's going on so
1: and what makes it, I think, a lot more fun, um, especially in, you know, churn-based economy, um, it's a bonus action now instead of an action.
0: Yep. Yep. So, yeah, we, we, uh, well, let's, let's, I mean, at this point, let's just jump into some of the, the, the changes for specific races. Um, we're going to talk about largely the ones that are um, either very noteworthy uh, or the ones that we like or the ones that necessarily change how the race works. Uh, we might mention some of the ones that are a little bit less impactful, Uh, if we don't mention one of the 33 races that dunk ran down at the beginning of the show, it's because they didn't have much changed for them. Uh, you can just assume that. So yeah, we already talked about the Asimar, Um, the Kenku, I think is a really interesting change. Uh, they have specified that Mm -hmm. they no longer have limited speech. Uh, you will remember if you've played D&D for a while that in Volos, the Kenku is the only race in the game that has a disclaimer saying that if you roleplay it the way that it's written, you're going to annoy the hell out of your players, out of your fellow players and out of your uh, out of your DM. Because um, they, they they weren't able to communicate by their own merits, like they had to mimic speech and they also didn't, they weren't able to come up with any original thoughts. Uh, so there's like this blurb in uh, in the book that's just like, hey... If you're going to play this, like, make sure that you talk to everyone at the table first. Make sure they're okay with it.
1: Yeah. Um, They were basically originally Bumblebee from the Michael Bay Transformers movies. Um, And now they are just bird people.
0: Now they're just bird people, which is fine. (laughs) Um, I think... I I guess I'm of two minds about it because it does... Again, yeah, it, it makes the race less unique for sure. But it also makes it, like, kind of half playable for people because... Playing a Kenku Definitely. is is a difficult ask. The only um the only exposure I've had to like a long term Kenku PC is in a podcast I listen to called A Rule Tales of Magic, where the Kenku player, uh, for lore reasons could just speak normally. <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs> um, this is just that change um, made now. Yeah,
1: I so. the only time I have ever heard someone play a Kenku as actually designed was uh someone had a um, basically an excel spreadsheet and they had uh, a list of every single word that the kenku has ever heard and who said it and how they sound
0: okay i know that D is just math homework but I, if i have to do additional homework on top of that to play my character properly, there might have been a mistake made at some point down the line in terms of design. 100%. That's all I'll say.
1: Like I, so I was very impressed, um, partially because I think that is hilarious and fun, but also, yeah, um, yeah would never do that. Fuck that. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a complete nightmare. Like the the best. Uh, like you think about it, and I'm
0: like, I don't know. Maybe I would have like two or three phrases I would write down to like as a yes and a no and a maybe, right? But having an mm-hmm. entire Excel spreadsheet just sounds like homework and that.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> not fun. Um, so fey races have had an interesting sort of expansion. We don't have mm-hmm. sub races uh, yeah. necessarily anymore. But uh, fey races, the, the, the circle has been drawn a little bit wider. Uh, some, more, some more races have kind of joined the table. Um, the Minotaur is now a fey race, uh, as is the Satyr, and so is the Changeling. Um, the Changeling has uh, now the ability to uh, switch between medium and small in their transformations, so they can be either size. Um, the Satyr, uh, literally, they just upped the, the, the damage of the, the ram. So instead of being a 1d4, it's a 1d6. Um, mm-hmm. And then the Minotaur has uh, a pretty interesting new ability, uh, the Labyrinthian uh, Recall. Which uh, basically means that you always know which way is north and you have advantage on survival checks when navigating or tracking. Um, the, the, the advantage on survival checks is really interesting. Uh, but the fact that you always know which way is north really just reminds me that, like, it reminds me of a carrier pigeon. Like, the Minotaur yeah. is now this just is, a carrier this pigeon. This is just,
0: like, a hilarious change. Obviously, having an advantage on survival checks is kind of cool. I just love the flavor here. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I don't know, that's pretty great. Um,. The Seder hat does one additional damage on average for its ram. Fantastic. Um, I think the one that really stands out to me is the changeling being able to swap between medium and small rather than just being stuck in medium. Because that should have been a part of the race to start with. Right? Like, why is it that my changeling yeah. can't changeling into a halfling or a gnome? Right? And Precisely. Just, so or now a goblin. It can.
1: Yeah. 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 So now it um, can. Now it can. Yeah. Uh, you still can't be large, but, you know, maybe, may, may, maybe in the future. Um, I think, I think the, the, the right person to talk about the new Genassi changes or Genassi. I don't, I don't actually know which it is, but, um, I think the right person to talk about that is you, uh, gif gif argument. Um,
0: I usually say Genassi, but it doesn't, I don't think it matters. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, this is like outside of the player's handbook, probably my favorite race in the game. It's this or Eladrin's, um, which got like minimal changes, but pretty much every sub subrace got, something well actually they're not even sub races anymore are they they're just separate races um but they pretty much all got something worthwhile um there's such a cool race flavor wise that i'm really really glad that they gave them something a little bit more uh, even if those buffs aren't crazy substantial they bring them in like a little bit more in line with the med- the middle of the pack um which makes me just more way more excited to play genasi because i was already doing it all the time. Uh, some of the more significant changes um air genasi now have dark vision which is fantastic brings them in line with the fire genasi um and they also get resistance to lightning damage which is huge um like it just had well lightning damage isn't super common but just having a resistance to any damage is probably good uh, and then each um innate spellcasting ability that the Genasi have have also been changed so um the changes that we were talking about earlier, like you can use the the spells with your spell slots, and that you don't you're not tied into one ability score. Those are consistent throughout. They also have more spells. So the Air Genasi, for example, uh, instead of just getting Levitate right off the bat, and that's the only thing that you get, um, you get Shocking Grasp at first, and then at third you get Feather Fall, and then at fifth you get Levitate. So you you have a little bit more options. And again, that that Feather Fall and that Levitate you can cast with your spell slots. Um, all genasi it's also worth noting can now be either small or medium as well which is fantastic um yeah the only one that was like really not changed all that much was the fire genasi which is fine because it was probably the best one to begin with uh you get flame blade now as well as having uh produce flame at first level Uh, the only change that i kind of hate is i think it was just an oversight is that instead of seeing in shades of red with our dark vision they see in shades of gray now which is the same as anything else i thought it was just like a cool flavor thing that they saw in shades of red instead of gray um so i'll probably just continue to do that because it doesn't change literally anything mechanically um
1: yeah i i've i've had one character play as as a or one one player uh play a character who was a fire ganasi and uh for their dark vision i actually just did it as like heat vision oh yeah like thermal yeah, like Thermal I like Vision. Um, I think <laughs> I might I might sick. stick to that uh, in the future, but, you know. Yeah, I
0: don't, I'm just really excited about these new Genasi changes. I think bringing them in line with these, like the kind of the, the medium uh, power races, I think is really great. I, I love having Genasi at my table. I love playing them. So having more options there is fantastic. I'm really, really excited about that. And like being able to be like, I don't know, like a Halfling Genasi also sounds great. Like a Halfling Water Genasi sounds like a great time. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It sounds like it's... it's I, I i'm really excited it's probably the changes that i'm the most excited about in the book just because uh, they're near and dear to my heart uh but <laughs> i think we do you, is there um do you want to talk about like the specific goblinoid changes because we did talk about how they're now uh all considered fey but we can talk a little bit more about the specific like what they specifically
1: get uh yeah so um the bug boor- the bug bears get like uh, a sneaky feature which allows them to uh you know, squeeze themselves through- Uh, tight spaces where a small creature would be able to get through. Um, And so I think they're kind of emphasizing the bug in Bugbear, which I find very fun. Um, And they no longer uh, are required to use, like, sneak attack uh, or surprise uh, attacks um, in the first round. Uh, They can, you know, sneak around and do that throughout combat, apparently now, which seems kind of fun and interesting. Um, The goblin uh, gets a bit of a change to the Fury of the Small. Um, It's no longer just once per long or short rest. Uh, You get to uh, utilize it based on your proficiency. Um, And basically, the uh, damage is also based in your proficiency instead of how it was with your character level. Um, So basically, I mean, like, it kind of, at least in the later parts of, uh, or the higher levels, um, you kind of get less damage but you can consistently do this more often which i think is much more fun to play
0: i think that's a great change Uh, just making it less swingy Mm -hmm. and the ability to use your abilities more often at the table is always good i think so that's that's probably my favorite change
1: here to be honest with you definitely um, yeah, the Hobgoblin, um, basically is just almost identical to the Fae Folk, uh, UA version, Yeah, which Massive is, overhaul I think a much, much more fun Hobgoblin. Yeah. I
0: think it depends on your fantasy that you want to get with the Hobgoblin. Like the old Hobgoblin was very warlord martial sort of fantasy. And this one, mm-hmm. like it's much more based in the Fae. They have an ability called Fae Gift. They have an ability called Hospitality of Passage. Uh like there's there's some really, really neat stuff in here, I think. Uh it very much changes the way that I think people are gonna think about the Hobgoblin. Uh but I, I yeah. actually do and I, I, I think... quite like these changes as well. It's one of those races that was just completely overhauled. Uh so and I think those changes are largely good.
1: Yeah, I I think it's it's very much driven by the idea of uh you know race essentialism. Um they they've come out in this book stating that um there are not going to be inherently evil races. Um there is no character alignments. Uh, based on race. Um, there's there's nothing along those lines anymore. Um, so the Hobgoblin was definitely, I think, at least characterized and coded as, like, a, a villainous or, or an evil race, um, especially with that, like, warlord, um, you know, oppressive, tyrannical sort of vibe that, that you got from the original Hobgoblin. This has made it a much more interesting, uh, more nuanced sort of thing that could be, you know, applied to different character arcs
0: absolutely i yeah it's it's i think we'll talk more a little bit about um like your your options in terms of old hobgoblin versus new hobgoblin in term in in a much more general sense in terms of every race in a little bit here um but again yeah i think i think it's a good change uh, for the most part
1: um yeah kobolds are um are, are pretty interestingly changed um yeah. they're no longer just little bitches with like the absolute <laughs> worst mechanics ever um yeah. they become kind of low-key sorcerers uh do you want to maybe talk about that a bit more well so yeah along with the the hobgoblin, and the
0: kobold is kind of the other race that was just completely overhauled um so they no longer have sunlight sensitivity or pack tactics which were kind of the two most defining features the kobold had previously um, sunlight sensitivity being that if you're perceiving or attacking anything when you're within direct sunlight or the targets within direct sunlight you'd be at disadvantage uh, and the reason that you have such a terrible terrible ability like that uh, is that you also get packed tactics which is probably the most powerful single ability in the game which is that you had advantage on any attack roll if an ally is within five feet of your target um, so it was a huge trade-off you were absolutely you were a monster in like indoor settings or in caves or dungeons but outside during the day uh, you, you actually lost a lot of your, your potency uh, and they've completely removed that and instead um, you, you get uh, quite you actually get a number of things um, you've actually instead of being like they've kind of changed the stereotype for kobolds which was like this kind of like weak cowardly cowardly creature um, instead yeah, of that you used get to have advantage on saving of... throws
1: yeah, um, uh, you to get being like which is crazy. Yeah, because they used to have uh, like the the grovel, cower, and beg abilities, which are like yeah. even just hearing those names, it's <laughs> you can see the vibe. Yeah, and that's been a reworked into yeah, no. uh, to an ability
0: called Draconic Cry. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it, it basically like it, it's a short term pack tactics for your allies uh, and for yourself um which which is much more balanced probably um mm-hmm. so there, yeah there's that and then again you get um advantage on saving throws against being frightened um so you're actually it's the same as the halfling ability um which is kind of cool um you get some proficiencies and then you get a cantrip from the sorcerer spell list but again you can pick uh any spell casting ability you want so it's not necessarily tied to charisma even though it's from the sorcerer spell list um mm-hmm it's another really interesting change. Changes a lot about how you think about kobolds and mechanically, and probably lore-wise as well. Um, this is the one that I've seen probably the most controversy about because it does it fundamentally changes the the idea that people have about kobolds, and I, I don't think a lot of people are comfortable with that. But it depends on it depends on your your preferences, I think. And again, like we. I think we'll touch on this a little bit in a second, but these options existing doesn't necessarily mean that the old options are now gone forever.
1: Precisely. Um, I think it might be interesting to talk about some of the um, other races as well. Uh, The Orc, um, I mean, the, the changes have really just made the Orcs more like... The half orc uh, abilities—they um, no longer yeah. have the menacing ability. Uh, instead, they have the relentless endurance, uh, relentless endurance ability of the half orcs. Which has um, yeah. And, um, are sure of that. yeah, instead of aggressive, they have adrenaline rush, um, and that lets them dash as a bonus action, um, which is like they can use that to their proficiency bonus. Yeah. Um, yeah, Yon-T yeah. have and also get, like uh, yeah temporary hit points as well. So it's 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 mostly a buff. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. definitely a buff, I think, especially considering you no longer have to take a, a minus in intelligence, which is, yeah. I think, just yeah. horrendous. Um, the Yon-T um, have been made a little bit weaker because they no longer have poison immunity. Um, they have uh, poison resilience. However, I think the big thing here is the fact that they uh, there's no longer Yon-T purebloods.
0: Yeah. So that, that's a, it doesn't change anything mechanically. It's a lore difference. Um, but I think avoiding the term pure blood in your game is probably a good call um, in 99.99999% of instances. Um, yep it ties into like again are larger lore change we don't talk about it too much but there are larger lore changes in terms of races not being intrinsically tied to evil so like for example gnolls are no longer tied to I don't even know how to pronounce it but it's their, like their demon lord of hunger like they're no longer intrinsically tied to that it ties into the goblins mm-hmm. being more fey oriented rather than you know anything else um, so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it, it's a good move towards making players
1: feel like they have a lot more freedom with these like so-called monstrous races quote-unquote mm-hmm um, speaking of somewhat like monstrous races, uh, maybe similar to the Yanti, um, I would like to talk about a change that I find so incredibly dumb, okay. and that is that is the lizard folk. Um, <laughs> they their bite no longer deals piercing damage. Now their bite is slashing damage, and I I, I don't know about you, but when I bite into things. I'm not necessarily cutting it. I'm kind of like piercing, piercing Whatever I'm putting in my mouth.
0: Yeah, yeah. I it changes like so little mechanically that I have a hard time. But like,
1: <laughs> I, I, it just, I don't know exactly. It's why it, the change it it, it was made mechanically the means place. so very little. Yeah. And and yet flavor wise, it makes zero sense. Yeah. I, so I why why did you, you put it in the book? Jeremy Jeremy Crawford, why did you put it in the book?
0: (laughs) The big change with it is um, they no longer get the cutting artisan ability, which is what they they could make like uh, tools and weapons out of bones and stuff during a short rest. Um, It's Mm -hmm. no longer written there, but I don't see a reason why a DM would say that you can't do that just because your race specifies that there doesn't specify that it's there. Like I think anyone should be able to, you know, if they're crafty enough. 100%.
1: I think especially if you have like, you know, any sort of guild artisan tools that would allow you to do that.
0: Yeah. Like for sure.
1: It, it just makes sense. Um yeah, they, they have uh, a hungry jaws uh ability which gives them uh temporary hit points. Um and they now have uh instead of hunter's lore, they have a nature's intuition, um, which adds medicine to the lineup yeah. of just extra things from Hunter's Lore. These... Yeah.
0: You know, they're not very flashy changes, but um it does give people more options, so
1: mm-hmm. oh well.
0: Oh, any other um, specific races that you wanted to cover? Uh,
1: I think what I'd like to talk about is the fact that there is a lot of, you know, planar creatures and planar races uh, that have been put into Monsters of the Multiverse, and yet Travelers of the Multiverse, uh, the UA that was released months and months ago, yep. um, has... No place in Monsters of the Multiverse.
0: We we are still waiting on the Spelljammer book. We are we are
1: bated breath. We inch ever
0: closer. Do you think? I, I think we talked about it the last episode. But do you still think it's coming this year?
1: I I do... okay. So th- th- this is a little difficult. I mean, the, like Wizards of the Coast have been producing. I want to say about one source book. A year for the past few years more or less yeah. give or take and then like an adventure book and whatever
0: like some some additional stuff yeah like
1: the stuff, yeah so. adventure books and stuff are being added all the time as well but like source books i think it seems to be more or less approximately one a year yeah this one's come out at the beginning of this year so it does bring the question of is something going to be brought up again later in the year if it is, then it's probably going to be sometime in like the, the the last quarter, so like probably October, November. Um, that would be my guess. Yeah. But um, you know, I I think it's probably more likely that it's going to be a first quarter release or a second quarter release in twenty twenty three. That's interesting.
0: I, I I still think it could happen um this year. Um, I, like I I would be. I don't know why. But I would be like I would be hoping it's for the summer. Um, like if, if this gets released standalone in May, like maybe we'll see something in uh, in uh, July or maybe August. Um, but who knows, right? Like we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, that's probably the thing that I'm. You know, th- these are these are on the on the on the large scale. These are pretty minimal changes. A lot of which were already being implemented. At a lot of tables. Um, as home rules, in terms of uh, the ability score increases and proficiencies and languages and things like that, um, like the very like broad changes were already very popular. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to something that shakes
1: up the game a little bit more than uh, than Monsters has done so far. Definitely, um, I think what is maybe interesting to look at is, you know, the 33 races. That's like the first chapter of the book. Um yeah. there's a whole other second chapter of the book. And Yeah, it's it, it's not is... even the highlight
0: of the book, right? It's called Monsters of the Multiverse. Yeah. It's the reprinting of 200 and something monsters is really the the highlight here,
1: but Yeah, over 250 monsters it is absolutely insane. Um and I think what is really interesting to look at this is why they reprinted and redesigned so many monsters in this book um i have a quote here from from the the rules designer himself jeremy crawford the 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 one who has decided to make the bites slashing instead of piercing um basically he said that he wanted to terrify veteran players with some of these new uh new monsters um he says many of these monsters especially the higher challenge uh rating ones are far more dangerous than they were the last time they appeared in print. Um, we've gotten pretty consistent feedback since the release of the core books back in twenty fourteen that a number of our high level monsters, in many circumstances, just felt a bit too weak, like they were punching below the challenge rating. Now, I mean, I I don't I don't know about you, but I I think the challenge rating is um, a very flawed system, perhaps. Of course, it is yeah yeah
0: like i i'll (laughs) believe that we're seeing more dangerous high cr monsters when i see it to be honest with you again i don't have the book in front of me um i i I got fizz bands recently the treasury of dragons book and the uh the great worms in that they were advertised as like high level end game bosses and really they're just like a bunch of hit points so i'll see if they can do something more interesting like at this point if i want to challenge a party i'm using mcdm's uh uh monster rules in terms of um action-oriented design so if they can do something similar to that where one individual boss monster can actually take on a party of four or five and not feel like they can only get one or two attacks and before they die that's great but again i'll, I'll believe
1: it when i see it 100 um i think you know definitely action economy is the biggest issue with high level CR monsters. Yeah. And, you know, that that is the thing that needs to be evaluated. So we can only hope that that is what is being addressed for these monster reprints, but yep. doesn't seem super likely. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, as soon
0: as I have my hands on this book, I'll I'll go through the high CR stuff and um I'll see if they actually do anything yeah, anything to address uh um that that problem. And obviously like legendary action or legendary resistances and layer actions are like their kind of wizard's version of, of trying to solve that problem. But so far it hasn't really worked. So we'll see. It is what it
1: is. Yeah. Um, um I, I will say, I will say, um, in in the Polygon interview, uh, Jeremy Crawford does say in in a very like Apple WWDC fashion, uh, say we kept asking ourselves, is this monster? <laughs> The best version of itself. We've yeah. also, in various places, created <laughs> new traits. As you go through the book, you're going to find some monsters where at first you're like, oh yeah, I know this one, I've used it in my game. But when you look at that stat block, you'll find, oh, there's a new twist.
0: I hope he's right. I hope he's right. I, I sure I, I do. I would be
1: happy to see it. I yeah. I mean, I, I don't here's my thing um when i think about the stat block i think about like proficiencies and and like skills on the stat block i don't necessarily think of like abilities and actions <laughs> so that kind of makes me a little bit worried about the wording of that but maybe that's just a personal thing i don't know
0: yeah i think in terms of like the 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 party fighting a monster it, again it comes back to that action economy right like as long as they have an ability if it's supposed to be like a, a tough boss monster as long as they have an ability that can overcome the fact that usually that's going to be a 5v1 or a 4v1 or a 6v1 that i'm excited uh if they can do something interesting that's great but um really like my hope is that eventually we have monsters that are printed that i can literally just lift from the book and put in my game and not feel like i have to tweak them in order to actually make them dangerous which is in all of 100%. my dming that i've done for the last year and a half two years it's felt like every single monster i want to run i have to make some kind of tweak or some kind of design change to actually make it an interesting fight for the uh for my players so um if they can 100%. prevent that from happening if they can if they, again it comes i was saying in the beginning of the episode i'll say it now if they can stop us from doing more homework and just make the game more fun then i'm cool with that
1: yeah that gets two big thumbs up from me I will say, I will say, there are some very, very, very exciting monster reprints that I think are really going to just shake the way that we play this game. Shake right? the ground I very mean, beneath our feet. 100%. I, I think it's going to be life-changing. I, I think these are going to be probably, like, the most used monsters of of. Any monster in the multiverse, all right? I mean, th- I, I'm these are the ones I am most looking forward to. I mean, firstly, we have like the archer, all right. Um, <laughs> looking at the list here, we've also got the bard, all right. I mean, like Ooh. you know, what what are they going to do with that? That's crazy. I I have no idea what to expect from that. You know, um, they've got the swashbuckler, which I mean, I, I what even is that, right? Um, you know, they they've got so much going on here they have a turtle um they have a trapper in this um and they have a bunch of eladrin in this book as monsters yes, i mean like these
0: are all everything you've mentioned is a cr
1: 26 monster that's going to destroy your party precisely so i mean like i, love I, I see have it. no idea what to expect i mean they have they have wizards they have a wizard wow. apprentice in this book wow like, so creative i i mean like the the, the monsters that, that they come up with are we jaded <laughs> What's here? You know what? We may very well be. Have we lost our spark? Your I silence wouldn't speaks say volumes. we lost our
0: spark. <laughs> <laughs> um I wanna oh. mention really quick that um when we uh, right when we released our last episode, uh, I did ask our Twitter account. Um I put a poll there and I asked if people were gonna uh how people were gonna use the changes in this book in terms of player races. Um so I asked if they were gonna either directly replace Uh, in people's games uh, the the rules that exist now uh, if you're just going to ignore them completely or if you're going to allow your players to choose whatever version of the race that they want to choose and the overwhelming majority of people said they were going to allow their players to choose Um, so i don't know necessarily if wizard's intention was to overwrite the old rules but people seem to be of the opinion that these can exist can coexist alongside the old printing of the races which seems fine by me um, especially for the ones that have those massive changes where people maybe people want to play like a cowardly kobold and they don't want to necessarily have advantage on uh checks against being frightened because it doesn't suit their character that's cool with me if they want to play like a more militaristic hobgoblin and not necessarily one that's super tied to the feywild or or uh, hospitality and things like that then also fine with me i think that Yeah, in a a lot of cases, I think allowing the player more options is probably better.
1: Yeah, I I think what what is interesting about the, I guess, design of this book and how it's being presented is um, it is monsters of the multiverse. Um, And so, I mean, you could think of the multiverse as, you know, the different planes of existence, right? The material plane, the astral plane, you know, Avernus and all that such. But also the multiverse could be referring to, you know, the different play settings, you know, Eberron and uh, Faerun and such. Um, The fact that some of these places can have different vibes for the same, you know, races or or playable races or monster races, you know, they they can be different based on, you know, the cultural aspects or just like the nature of that play setting. You know, I, I think that is really fun in that way to to think of like okay well you know maybe there is like a place where you know hobgoblins are known as like you know intelligent warlords who have this like tyrannical uh you know culture um but then you know in in a in a parallel universe they're just like sweet wholesome hospitality driven fae. i think
0: that's a really interesting way to look at it
1: yeah. yeah. I I Maybe think you it's it, it's it's, of it's interesting child like <laughs> <one. laughs> Um no, I'm I'm super excited. I I mean like I I am I mean honestly, I I think I am really excited because uh something that I have always really I uh, I think a monster that I've always really loved but I've never necessarily felt like it had the right vibe to it um is actually uh the Kraken Priest. And that is listed as uh, one of the monsters that are being uh, reprinted here. So we'll I am actually really excited for that
0: for the new Kraken Priest because that uh, no spoilers, but the campaign I'm currently running that it might actually come into play. So that could be cool. Oh, oh. Uh, yeah,
1: I think it's definitely going to be <laughs> something to encounter um, in in the story world that I've been building because it's an archipelago, right? A lot of sea Gotta travel. Gotta have krakens. Gotta have. Gotta crack-ins. have krakens. You gotta have Kraken. Um, <laughs> if you have a pirate-driven campaign and you don't have a Kraken, or do you really have a pirate-driven campaign? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, and I'm exactly. gonna gatekeep that your enjoyment of D and D because you don't have a Kraken in your video game. I mean, in your tabletop <laughs> game. <laughs> uh, I mean, th- then again, there's also. I mean, looking at this list, um, they do they do have listed uh, one of the monsters that they're printing in here is just dolphin. Just a dolphin. (laughs) Let's let's see it.
0: Let's see. Apparently, there's there's got to be some some real important mechanical changes to the dolphin to the dolphin stat block that they needed to print an entire new book surrounding it. That's my that's
1: my theory. That that's my head I mean, like you know, I I think (laughs) I think dolphin the the perspective of dolphins in I would say like you know at least at least my social circle. Has definitely changed since 2014. I mean, back in 2014, I thought, yo, dolphins are.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Apparently, Zuko doesn't like dolphins. Um, <laughs> <don't> like dolphins. <laughs> All right. So. The
0: perspective I mean, on dolphins is t- changed.
1: 2014, yeah. The perspective on dolphins has changed. In, in 2014, I feel as though, um, you know, people absolutely love dolphins. Dolphins were like the majestic creature of the sea. They're like they're like the the the, the like fun, sleek, playful, playful whale. Um, but now people talk about dolphins and they're like, yeah, no, they are absolutely vicious and like sadistic.
0: I feel like this did happen. I, I, th- I at first I was like, I don't know what you're talking about but the longer you went on i was like yeah no now that i think about it i think public perception on dolphins has changed
1: can i can i tell you wow. something jason yes that's my secret if i talk like, long enough people think i'm right
0: oh i thought you were going to say your secret was that you changed <laughs> public perception on dolphins like that was no I, I
1: i think that would be very impressive um but i don't <laughs> think i superpower. single-handedly did that <laughs> uh,
0: i don't think we're talking about dd anymore it's in it's in the D and D book. It's in the book. It's in the book. It's in the uh, Monster Man. <laughs> I think I think we might have exhausted all there is to talk about about this. So I think maybe um, if we want to start wrapping up, if there's anything that you want to be plugging at the moment there, Dunk.
1: Uh, well, actually, I would just like to say that um, you know, in addition, in, in, in addition to our uh, hope for spell uh, spell jammer, either later this year or early next year. Um, there is a lot of talk about something happening in 2024 um, because that is the 50th anniversary. Um, you know, some people have been saying that this might be the, the launch of 6th edition, but I feel like the amount of contents that has been created for 5th edition um, means that it would be, I think, a bit of a, bit of a misnomer to do that, or, or maybe a, a, it would be a tactical error on, on Wizards of the Coast part. But we could be finding, um, you know, potentially a 5.5 edition I think this in, is in 2024. Theory. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. We're inching ever closer towards that. It's not going to be like a full reboot, but it, if they're going to keep doing this, they're going to eventually they're going to have to bring the Player's Handbook and the Dungeon Master's Guide and the Monster Manual up to speed with everything else that's been printed, especially in the last two or three years. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm looking forward to 2024. Um, obviously, there's a lot of D&D content to look forward to between that. And uh, who knows if we'll even make it there as a society? Yeah. So. Who knows? Woo! Blurry future. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, uh, is there anything you wanted to plug this week, Dunk?
1: Uh, yeah. So um, again, if uh, anyone is interested in uh, faith and radical inclusivity uh, and leftist conversations around uh, faith, um, then please check out the Student Christian Movement's uh, podcast "Spirit Rising," uh, where we talk about faith and big ideas, um, unfiltered, unchanged, um, except yeah. for all the editing that I do. Um, <laughs> I highly recommend. It. That's it. You can find uh, you can find Spirit Rising. Um, on any podcast catcher that you're listening to this on uh, or on YouTube
0: yeah if you haven't listened to our two-parter interview with Dr. Brent Bellamy uh, please go do that because I think it's probably some of the best work you've put out really fantastic conversation we had with him and the I think the insights that he had to share were really fantastic so if you're new to the game if you're experienced with the game I would highly recommend going to check that out if you haven't already
1: anything else definitely um yeah I think it's uh you know Definitely check out the the interview, Um, and uh, you know, considering how much fun that was, and uh, you know, the response that we've gotten from it so far, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if people are wanting more of that kind of content, then I think we uh, we are definitely obligated to look into more uh, world building interviews in the future. I think think that'll stay tuned for for that. Yeah. Uh, You can find us on socials,
0: uh, Twitter and Instagram at CWTPOD, CWTPOD. So give us a follow there. If you're listening on a platform that allows you to rate, give us five stars. Spotify just recently added the option to rate podcasts on the five-star system. So give us five stars. Uh, It really helps us out. Um, And just, you know, let us know what you think on our socials. We'd really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, and uh, of course, we don't advertise this show. So, uh, you know, if you uh, have friends and such that uh, you think would be interested in the show, uh, please pass us along. Write our names in the sky if needed. Um, We are are sponsored by
0: viewers like you. Precisely. All right. Thanks for listening, and uh, we will get back to you uh, as soon as we get back to you. And who knows how long that will be. (laughs) For now, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.